there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. On today's show, I'm joined by Katherine Sterling. Now, Katherine is a NASA engineer turned Christian apologist. She's the founder of Defend the Faith Ministries and co-author of Mama Bear Apologetics. Catherine and I will be talking about what apologetics actually is and how critically important it is to pass that on to your children. I'll even share quite a few ways David and I trained our children along the way. Now, before we dive into my conversation with Catherine, though, I wanted to tell you about our Heart School class. I wrote Heart School to help parents just like you get more clarity about what God has actually called you to do, and then to see how you can find a lot of peace for your own heart and your family by allowing the vision God's given you to guide your everyday decisions. The clarity Heart School will provide will help you remove friction in your relationships. It'll give you confidence that you are doing what is best and that you can do it well. It'll bring clarity, peace, and structure to your days, and it will guide your everyday decisions with your vision in mind. I sincerely believe that every homeschool family, whether you're just starting out or whether you've been homeschooling for a really long time, will benefit from Heart School. So we're offering $60 off that class until August 19th with discount code PODCAST. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash heart school to learn more and save $60 with discount code podcast. So now, without further ado, let's dive right into my conversation with Katherine Sterling. I am thrilled to have Katherine Sterling with us today. Katherine is with a ministry called Defend our faith or defend your faith or defend the faith. I'm sorry. I looked, I looked away and that middle word just kind of went away from me. I'm sorry, Catherine. <laughs> That's okay. When it's we were talking, <laughs> defend the faith people. Um, but as we were talking before, you told me a little bit about why you started this ministry. And it was so interesting to hear your story and how the Lord brought you there that I'd really love as we start off for you to tell everybody that. And then we'll dive into to kind of talking about why you do what you do and why it's so important for families. Okay, absolutely. Well, like I said, um, I grew up in a, in a strong Christian home. I became a Christian at a young age and, you know, always had a love for Jesus, had a love for his word. And as I grew and um, went through a very rigorous high school program and then went to college to get an engineering degree, um, I started getting all kinds of questions. Well, why would you believe that? Doesn't science say blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the Bible was just written by men. How can you trust that to be true? And, um, you know, why would you, why would you commit your life to this thing that you can't even prove? You can't even touch and point to and see God. And while I knew that what I believe was true, it was not just because mom and dad taught me this. It did make me stop and question, well, you know, why do I know it's true? And, and more importantly, how do I explain that to somebody that's not coming at it from the same starting point? You know, they're not, they're not starting with the Bible says so. Um, so quoting scripture, you know, just kind of um, falls on its face a little bit for them because they don't believe the validity of that book from which I'm quoting. So I wanted to understand how do I articulate this to somebody who's coming at it from a very critical thinking, analytical mindset of, you know, how do I know this is true before I commit my life to this? I need to know that it's valid. And, and really, we all should stop and ask that question. You know, even those growing up in a Christian home, at some point, you had to stop and consider, well, why am I committing my life to this? How do I know that this is true, um, especially in a world surrounded by all kinds of lies and other um, 
other belief systems. So I began studying apologetics, which is, um, we'll kind of define that term a little bit later, but it's really just um, the logical defense of a religious position. And just reading through all kinds of different books and materials of, of how do I know that a God exists and how mm. confident can I be that the Bible has not been changed over time. And the more I read, the more my faith increased. And I know a lot of times people think those those two things are, are diametrically opposed, but they really walk hand in hand. The more we know and understand about God, um, the more we can actually put our faith and trust in Him, because yeah. now we know this is not just you know wishful thinking. Um, this is something true. And, and the way he's worked through all of time is, is still how he works in my life today. And my heart really broke, though, for um, the youth groups sitting in the church behind me because I had been that person. I was that kid that was in church and was being taught all kinds of scripture, but never really taught why the scripture, you know, why this book over everything else. And so I really wanted to start sharing these answers with them because those questions have answers. You just need to know what they are. And so I started a program um, to, to start teaching this, uh, this apologetics to the youth at my church. And from there, it grew and uh, became my first book called Teaching Others to Defend Christianity. Um, since then, I've also written um, a chapter on the Mama Bear Apologetics book. And, and really, my book, it, it's a, it's a six-week study. I was trying to make it real manageable because there's so many overwhelming resources out there that you can really get down into the weeds. And it's hard to know kind of where do we start so for me, it was, okay, well, if I only have so many weeks with these kids and, and only one hour a week, what are the main takeaways? And, and I guess you can see kind of my, my engineering brain at work here. I needed very <laughs> yes or no questions, you know, ones or zeros. Um, and it really starts with, well, if I believed nothing at all, you know, if I started with um, belief that there's, there's no God, there's nothing here, how do I know there's a God? Well, there either is or isn't. It's a very yes or no question. So um, so really the first three lessons, the three chapters of my book um, tackle that subject of, well, how do, how do I have confidence that there is a God? And But if we know there's a God, well, which God is it? So we have to start exploring that and, and comparing Christianity to other religions. And, and how do I know that it is Christianity is the only way to heaven? And so when we start looking at that and, and you can explore what do these other beliefs um, claim, and is that valid? And you start to see that there is something very unique about Christianity that sets it apart. And of course, we know that is found in the sacrifice made by Jesus on the cross. Well, we find out about Jesus through the Bible. So that kind of is our next question. Well, how can I trust what the Bible says about Jesus? And so, you know, the, the fifth chapter starts exploring the validity of, of the Bible through the manuscript evidence, through the eyewitness testimonies. And then once we can trust what we're reading in there, what does it say about Jesus? Is he really God? Yes or no. Did he really resurrect? Yes or no. And kind of as you walk through these questions, you start to see this is the basic understanding of how we know that Jesus really is the son of God and he really did resurrect. And, and of course, then at that point, everybody has to make a decision about that. You know, that doesn't mean it's implanted in your heart and you want to submit to that lordship. But it makes you under, it kind of gives you all the, the information now for you to make an intelligent decision. You know, am I going to reject this because I want to still do what I want to do? Or is this valid enough and clear enough and compelling enough that I have no choice but to commit my life to Christ? So, yeah. You know, I, um, as you were talking out, my mind was going back to a couple of things. One, when the kids were really, really young, like, surprisingly young, honestly, I found a video that um, was by a, a Christian apologist, brilliant, brilliant man, but it was so 
well laid out and so energetically presented that I let my kids watch it with me. And it was like four 15 minute segments. I'm like, we'll just watch a little bit at a time. Well, they wanted to go all the way through because they were, they were really truly interested in it. But as, and that, and that, started discussions that have just grown through the years that really planted a seed of ex, you know exposing them to to facts and reasons and and basis for the faith that that we were passing along to them just really really great evidentiary <laughs> evidences for yes. their faith um but but for a lot of families and this is the other thing that was kind of going through my head when you say apologetics or when you mm-hmm. say reasons or you know however you present it it becomes um a, a kind of an overwhelming thing because so many didn't grow up with anything beyond this is what the bible says therefore we believe it and right. while i know that because the bible says that i can believe it that's a that's a pretty shallow um that, that's not setting that stake in the ground very deeply for when those questions come or when culture starts pushing at it hard. We really need to give them a lot more tools to pound that stake into the ground much farther. So if you will flesh out for us a little bit more what exactly apologetics is, and then that should lead right into why is it so important for parents to, while our kids are young, pass this information along to them? Absolutely. And and I think that's a... That is still a common question or concern for for a lot of people in the church that, like you said, they've just grown up believing the Bible. And so why would you question anything in the Bible and why can't people just believe that that's true? Um, there's, you know, a, a common phrase as well. That's something about, you know, uh, you don't have to defend a lion just just like that. You don't have to defend God. God is strong enough to defend himself. Um, but that's only if somebody understands the strength and the power and the validity of what a lion is. You know, if if you in your mind think a lion is a house cat, you know mm-hmm. you're not afraid of that. And so, um, so I think for us, it's it's getting people to understand the strength and the power and the validity of who God is. And then, yes, you can you can trust His words are true. Um, but when you come at it not understanding the validity of of His word or His existence and His character. Um, that's where we really need to to help other people understand. And the thing is, you really can't um, effectively do evangelism without effectively understanding apologetics, because right. you have to understand how to speak to somebody who does not believe these things are true. You know, when Jesus said, go out into the world and, and preach the gospel, it means going out and sharing it with people who don't believe the Bible. <laughs> if they did believe the Bible, then then they're not lost. You're not having to share the gospel with them. And so I've used the analogy a lot that it's, you know, if, if God called you to be a missionary uh, to Germany and you stood on the street corner and you delivered the most amazing sermon ever, but you didn't speak German, mm-hmm. um, it's not very effective. You know, you could you could quote scripture and you could talk about God's love and what Jesus did on the cross and um, the consequences of our sin. But if you're not speaking the same language, um, it's not reaching their hearts in the right way. And so, I, you know, to me, apologetics, especially in our culture, is what we use as our language to speak to the, the hardened atheist, um, the, you know, the, the, the spirituality of the Hindu um, and the, the legalism of the Muslim. We have to speak their language to get them to understand 
um, that their worldview is not answering those critical questions um, and that only the Christian worldview actually does address that. And so, you know, a lot of people point to the scripture, 1 Peter 3, 15, that says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And when you read that in the Greek, the, the Greek word used there for defense is actually apologia. Um, I've yeah. heard it pronounced several different ways, but that's where we're getting the root word of apologetics. So it's not coming from our concept of apologizing. It's coming from defending. Um, and so, you know, most people point straight to that verse because that's where we actually get the words. So, of course, that's a valid source for it. But, but that's not the only place where we get this idea of defending the faith. You know, uh, Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 10, he talks extensively about demolishing ideas that are set against the knowledge of God, um, of Christ. And so that would even be if somebody thinks their knowledge goes against that a God even exists, you know, we're to demolish that idea. And so that that should propel us into that realm of an intellectual discussion of using reasoning um, to to weigh these ideas, to say, look, this idea is not logical. Um, a God must exist. So um, he says again in 2 Timothy 4 that we need to be able to reprove, rebuke, and exhort because a time is coming where people will not endure sound teaching. <laughs> so that says again, we need to be ready to, to use the scripture to defend it against the ideas that are not sound teaching. Um, and he says in Titus 1.9 to refute any who speak against um, the gospel message um, that, that he's presented as, as you've been taught that. But we even see it through the, through the growth of the early church. As you follow through the book of Acts, it was really apologetics is what grew the church. It was not pizza parties and fun events, at, you know, lock-ins at the church and, you know, a gospel singing <laughs> afternoon with ice cream. Those are great and fun. But that's not how the early church spread. You know, we see Stephen before he is stoned in Acts chapter six, he's debating with the Hellenist. And, and it says they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So he's reasoning with them. He's debating with them in an intellectual realm, combating these bad ideas. Um, Acts chapter 18, Apollos um, it said that he was being fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, and he spoke boldly and vigorously, refuting the Jews in public. So again, this reasoning, and, and every time we see Paul going into a new town, it says he reasoned and persuaded from the scriptures. He persuaded both Jew and Greek. He used philosophy with the men in Athens. And so, you know, this is our use of apologetics today, even though some people are not comfortable with that term. The concept behind it is nothing new. This is exactly how Paul converted everyone on his missionary trips. As he right. reasoned with them, he said, hey, come for those who were Jewish. He said, come look at the scriptures and let me show you how Jesus fulfills this. That's a reasonable, evidential approach of showing the truth of, of, of who Jesus is. And then when he encountered the Greeks and the philosophers in Athens, he used a different method because, you know, when he goes up on the Areopagus, he can't pull open the scrolls and say, well, look what Micah said. And they're like, who's Micah? Right. <laughs> you know, to them, they didn't know who God was. They didn't understand the concept of sin. You know, they're making sacrifices to everything, um, all these gods that they've invented. Um, so he used a different approach. And, and we kind of have to look at that of, of how um, he dealt with people who understood the scriptures, who understood the concept of God, but then those who also did not. Yeah. And and actually, I think that as as American Christians in particular, and if if you're listening in the South, this has for sure been your experience. 
so many people have enough of a knowledge of God that you can get lost swimming in religious language real easy. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, as you're trying to talk to someone, everyone's grandmother was a Christian down in the south. Um, And and one of the things that's actually kind of exciting in a way, and I hope that you hear my heart in this, but I've talked to my kids quite a bit about it. When I was growing up, there was no one who wasn't a Christian. And I use air quotes there. Now, the lines are much more clearly drawn. And so, for my children going out and talking to people, they actually do have much more of a clean slate to start these conversations, to actually do as Paul and the early church did, and as so many in different lands and different, even different parts of the country, where you go in and you actually are able to start at, uh, you know, the kind of talking the unknown God, helping them to reason their way there. Um, but only if you've had those conversations and you've equipped your children or equipped yourself to have them. Right. Um, absolutely. So, so we have we have spent a lot of time just in conversations, making sure that our kids had a reason for why they believe what they believe. And that involved answering some pretty scary questions sometimes. And that mm-hmm. involved David and I being willing to you know, halt a conversation, go study out more and come back. So for a family, I know I can attest and I want to encourage all of you to have these hard conversations and to to make this be a catalyst that makes you go deeper into to recognizing the whys and and really digging out of scripture why you believe what you believe so that you can pass those along. But why have why would you tell families that this is so important and how have you seen this play out in the lives of children that have gotten this kind of um, this kind of training apologetic training right well and I love hearing uh, your testimony of really just just digging in and, and letting your children ask those questions to you in the home because that's definitely where um, you want to foster um, a, 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 a safe place yeah. <laughs> uh, well, to, to ask these questions I yeah. want them asking me those questions right. and not going out and asking somebody else those right. questions. And you certainly don't want them to Google it. Uh, no. That's for sure. So, <laughs> yes, but I think it also, not only does it does it help you, um, you know, give them a valid, truthful answer um, from a biblical framework to those questions, but it shows them, you know, c- come reason together, bring your question. Right. The truth can handle it. It's the lies that can't handle the questions. And if we know this is the truth, you know, bring your question. And even if you don't have the answer right away, because I think that's where some parents get intimidated. Well, I don't know all the answers. You don't have mm-hmm. to. Um, it's a it's a matter of of sitting down and and going through it with your children. Okay, well let's let's take this question. Let's see what God actually meant in context of the scripture that your friend has taken out of context. Let's let's actually look at what this other worldview is claiming, and is that consistent? Does you know is that actually um, a coherent worldview based on the reality of the world that we live in. Does it make sense? And and so you can you can reason through it, and you can show them that you're never too old to learn something, right. um, and that you're not afraid of the question. You know, or or really Christianity, God's character, and and who God is is not afraid of the question. It can handle it. Um, so I think that again is the important thing is, is allowing them to to ask those those questions. And for me, you know, I've kind of seen it through. Um, through lots of different phases through children's lives. Now, my two sons that I'm homeschooling now, they are um, eight and nine. So they have just finished second and third grade. And, you know, so they're they're on the front end of this. 
And, mm-hmm. but I'll have to say my oldest, when he was four and a half, asked me who made God, yeah. you know, and, and it's the same little mind that says, mommy, why is the grass green? Mommy, how does the bumblebee move to the flowers? And, you know, who made God? And, you know, it's, it's all those same, just curiosity questions. And, you know, here, that's actually a question I directly address in my book. And so I have the answer and I'm, I'm explaining it to him. And does he understand all of it? Probably not. But what he understands is that um, that does have an answer that I don't have to, you know, think we've invented God, that I do see some characteristics of who God is, that he's eternal, that he doesn't require a cause, but we do because we're finite and limited. And, and so he can start to see um, that this God is real, that, that it is logical and it is reasonable for me to put my trust in him. And so, but I've seen it on the other end because I've also taught, you know, like I said, the high school students for many years and I've taught it in several different capacities. I teach it through our homeschool group. I used to teach um, the 12th graders at a private Christian school. Um, So I've, I've, you know, and then I've seen them as they go off to college and and I've seen, um, you know, especially when I covered some of the like cultural questions and the postmodernism and the relative truth and relative morality, those types of questions that some of those 12th graders were asking, several of them specifically came to me and they said, I've always known this was wrong or that we don't believe this, but I never understood why. And these were kids who'd been in a Christian school, Christian homes their whole lives. And so that's the thing that we're about to unleash on the world is that we're telling these kids, you don't do this, you don't say that, you go here, you don't think these things, you don't go to these, you know, but we're not explaining why. And so it was, it was that apologetics training that I was giving them that they could understand, wow, this is why we cling to these things. This is why we reject that idea as false, because otherwise they're just left to, you know, being tossed to and fro every wind of doctrine that comes along. We have to explain to them why we don't follow these other doctrines. And it was interesting because a lot of those, those kids, when they got off to college, I got lots of emails and text messages back like, oh, my professor teaching me this. Now I understand how to process that through a biblical worldview, right? Um, that they right. wouldn't have had that understanding before. So, well, a- absolutely, and don't underestimate your younger children's ability to understand either. Um, absolutely, there, were, there have been so many times when we've been engaged in conversations, and this was my kids are all all big now, but when they were younger stuff would come out of their mouth as they were just kind of listening and passively engaging in conversations that astonished me. Now it was stuff that we had talked about is stuff that they had heard, but, but they were able to process and put that into play at a very young age. And, and the Lord uses children so often because, you know, from the mouth of babes, you right. there's, <laughs> there. there's, a, there's, you know, people don't think that they have a, a an angle, so to speak. You know, they're just mm-hmm. children are innocent in that way. And so we have been astonished at how God has used our children to reach hearts that we probably would have had a much harder time reaching. Um, and that was not by us sending them out to a street corner and say, go, <laughs> go, go tell your apologetics to everybody. But rather it was just life on life interactions that right. um, where, where they actually were able to process and think their way through things and just throw out little things that, that really impacted the conversation pretty profoundly. Right. Right. Well, the, and that's, that's really like, I mean, that's the best evangelistic approach anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. It's just the natural, right. It's just the natural conversation and the, 
Um, and the natural question of a child, well, why would you think that? Well, that doesn't make sense. You know, it's a beautiful way to, because like you said, they're not seen as having an agenda, but just them reasoning through things for themselves and, and helping them understand and another person understand like, well, that doesn't make sense. And it is, it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, yeah. With our homeschool group, I, right right now, I've been able to teach um, fourth through sixth graders, which that um, this past year has been the youngest age that I've, you know, officially taught, you know, not counting my children, but like in, in the true like school type capacity. And um, I was amazed even myself knowing, you know, espousing this of how you need to be teaching your children. And I'm teaching my children at home these things, and they're much younger than that grade. Um, but I was really floored by what all they um, what they grasped. And we talked about different worldviews and, okay, how do we answer this question? How would a Muslim answer this question? Why does that not make sense? Why does that right. not hold up under scrutiny? And, you know, how does a postmodernist reason through this? And um, I was very impressed with how they were retaining it and then able to go out and they would come back and they would say, oh, I saw this T-shirt that said, follow your heart. And I realized that's just garbage. We should never follow our hearts. I'm like, exactly, because the Bible <laughs> tells us the heart is, you know, desperately wicked. It's deceitful above all else. And why would we follow that around? And so the fact that they're now able to go out and start discerning the world around them and seeing the worldviews behind the little mantras, behind the little you know, Disney movies and the little cartoons that they watch. And, and that is one of the most important things that, that yes. as our young children can take away is starting to see not everything that I'm consuming is from a biblical framework. And how do I detect what's not? And it doesn't mean you're not allowed to watch or hear anything, but it's you have to be aware. That's a worldview there. And that's yep. not biblical. And I don't need to listen to that and internalize that. So that's part of the that's really part of apologetics as well. Well, and, and actually that plays even into the curriculum that you choose, um, because yes. one of the, the beautiful things about home education is you're involved in that. So, you know, as, as Christian homeschool parents, we largely try to choose curriculum that is going to present a worldview that we're comfortable with. But mm -hmm. that does not mean that there won't be errors in in any of it. Um People are fallible, you know, there, there, right. there is always the reason to be very, very discerning and, and to allow that curriculum to open up conversations with your children, especially as they get older, you're going to find, you know, whether it be literature that they're reading, whether it be, you know, something that actually got slipped into a textbook that, that is just, it's, it's worthy of conversation. Right. Um, then, you know, those are fantastic jumping off points that strengthen their faith, strengthen their ability to, to think, which is another reason for education is a, teaching them to think, not just to regurgitate information. Yes. And so, you know, mm -hmm. apologetics really gets woven through most things that you do as a Christian homeschool family, I've found. Absolutely. Um, and that's even something, uh, you know, walking uh, if you take your kids to museums, yes. <laughs> you're oh going to, you're going to, yes, you're going to encounter all kinds of worldviews. And, and it's to the point now I've talked on it so much, um, with my children that my oldest son, I mean, as soon as he, he sees, you know, billions of years ago, this yeah. evolved, he's like, mommy, why? And I'm like, I know you're, and so it was a great point because I told them, you know, you are going to see that everywhere mm -hmm. you go. Um, out in secular society. And so you have to be able to process that and know that just because a majority opinion is held does not make it true either. You know, because that's part of the 
Um, I think part of the subtlety of what these deceptive ideas can do, well, so many people believe this. That doesn't make it that true. Right. <laughs> you right. know, that's that's a logical fallacy. And so they need to, to recognize that early on because when they get out and they say, well, all of my college classmates believe this. Well, that's great. That doesn't make that a valid idea. Right, right. No, that's and laying the groundwork for that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we are not doing our children any favors by not allowing them to be exposed to these ideas when they're young either. Because if right. they are just being exposed to these ideas when they're older and they've never been given the the equipment to combat them, they are way more likely to fall prey to them. And so, Absolutely. you know, getting your kids out and letting them see. Now I'm not, I'm obviously not saying expose them to things that are wicked and they're you know, so understand that <laughs> right. they, I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, put them in front of stuff that is truly going to hurt them. But right. out and about in museums, in these places that you know you're going to encounter, I mean, you go to the Smithsonian and you are going to encounter a lot of crazy, but (laughs) that crazy actually allows you to stop and have conversations that are that are relevant because you're looking at whatever it is that you're you're talking about but it also makes those ideas sink in so much more because they are tied concretely to some argument against it so allowing your children the opportunities to ask those questions and to be confronted with those ideas while you are able to to help them formulate what their beliefs are and why is really really powerful long term absolutely absolutely well, um, Catherine, we are getting really close to being out of time today, but I oh, wanted goodness. you to tell us, I know, I know, we could just go on. <laughs> <It went fast. laughs> um, I know, but I wanted you to tell us a little bit about your 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 curriculum, that six-week curriculum, because I know that for a lot of people, they they struggle with how to to even approach this. And, and as you were describing it, that sounds like a really great way to get those conversations started and kind of even for parents, help them start setting their mindset to how to approach it even beyond that six weeks with other things that come up. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, you know, like I said, my book, it's a six week study. It's, it's um, very short and and digestible. Each chapter is set up as a one hour lesson because it was really made to help you go teach at your Sunday school class, your small group, your, um, your homeschool group, your book club or whatever. So that in six weeks, you can kind of get like an apologetics 101 type of understanding of what do I need to, what are the basics that I really need to understand um, to be an effective witness and to, to strengthen my own faith and really to help train up my children. So for this book, you know, it's not going to um, last a full year. It's not that type of full curriculum. Right, right, right. But if you have, and it's meant for, you know, I would say in the homeschool community, I would say probably seventh grade through 12th grade, or even, I mean, okay. it's for adults as well. It's the same level material for adults um, as it is for high schoolers. But, you know, with homeschool kids, you could probably go as, as young as seventh grade. So for them, I would say you could get, you could assign this book um, for them to read through and y'all could take, take on, you know, a, a chapter together and there's discussion questions at the end of each chapter. Um, you could then take the topic that's presented there and um, all of the references that I have in the back of the book, you can go um, dive a little deeper into yeah. some of those topics or maybe challenge your your student to go and research something like that on their own. So you can kind of take that as a launching pad to um, to go forward and, and start this apologetics understanding and, and um, start having these conversations with your children. For your younger kids, though, 
Um, this is really meant for, for you as a parent to read and understand and then see mm-hmm. where those conversations can come up naturally or even through your subject material with, with your kids. So it's hard for you to have these conversations and teach apologetics to your children if you don't know it yourself. And right. so if you've not explored this topic yet, you know, my book is a great introduction to it. It's very short and um, manageable for you to go ahead and dive in and get an understanding. And you will start seeing where this can come up in the conversations with your children. So with your youngers, because mine are, like I said, they just finished second and third grade. And for them, you know, I don't sit down and, and have a set curriculum with them that as we study science, I'm working that in. I'm like, okay, look right. at the design here. This could not be explained by evolutionary theory. This says there has to be a creator. You know, so we talk about it from that perspective. And our history In fact, one of my favorite things to study this past year was when we covered through kind of our our chronological progression of history, we got to the founding of of Islam Hmm. uh, with Muhammad and his life. And I was super excited, which sounds weird that like this homeschooling Christian mom was pumped about teaching Islam to her kids. But it was a great opportunity for us to talk about what do they really believe? How is that different from Christianity? What was Muhammad really like? How is he different from Jesus? And we could do this beautiful compare and contrast. And at the end, when we studied through that, uh, we watched a video of um, of somebody sneaking a camera into the Hajj, the pilgrimage mm. that they take yeah. to Mecca. And at the end, I said, look at these millions of people and how sad is this? Are they actually, have they actually gotten forgiveness of their sins? Do they actually have assurance of salvation? You know, what are they actually getting out of this? And can we work our way into being in God's presence and the difference of how they define Allah, which is a different God, and how the Bible describes the character of God. And it kind of, you could, I could see a softening of my oldest heart towards Muslims to say they are lost. They are deceived by the enemy um, and they need, they need Jesus just like all of us do. And, um, and so anyway, that's one way you can kind of work it into uh, the subjects you are teaching them as as they're little and going through their history and their science and their literature, as you pull up books, you know, how does this represent um, Christ? How is this biblical? How is this not biblical? How did this person do things godly? How did they kind of not follow God so well here? Um, so those are ways that you can start um, getting this idea to your children of why we follow God, um, because it is truth. And, and they need to understand that and be prepared um, to encounter the false ideas that are in the world around them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love what you're doing. Um, before we go, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find this resource? Um, and then I'll make sure that I include all of these links directly in the show notes so that uh, they don't forget. But it's it's really helpful to hear it directly from you so that they know what to look for. Okay, great. Well, they can go to my website, defendthefaithministry.com. Um, and I've got a weekly article that I put out. Um, they can sign up for the newsletter so they can stay up to date of when I'm speaking different places and, and where I'm going. If they want to do a small group study, they can contact me and we can figure out, you know, if they need any support in doing that. If they have any questions, they can always feel free to email me. That contact information will be on the website or they can email me at Catherine at defendthefaithministry.com. And my name is spelled C-A-T-H-R-Y-N. Um, They can find my book on Amazon or my publisher's website at crosslinkpublishing.com. I'm actually in the next week or so, my second edition book will be out. So hopefully by the, by the end of um, June and early July, they'll have a second edition, which has a lot of great updates and changes that I think um, will just really improve 
our understanding and growth of, of being able to defend Christianity. And so the book title, again, is Teaching Others to Defend Christianity. And, um, and you can find that on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com, um, christianbook.com, and crosslinkpublishing.com. Awesome. Well, Catherine, thank you again so much for being with us today. It is, it's exciting for me to hear um, to, or to just have the conversations because I know that that this is so important for Christian families, for Christian young people, for Christian parents. You've got to know the truths on which you stand and be able to defend them. So I really appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody else, we so appreciate your hanging out with us today. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. us today. If you've been following along with Teach Them Diligently for any length of time, I'm sure you know how much our family has loved Alpha Omega Publications resources through the years. In fact, if you want some really good reasons why we love them, check out our curriculum highlight on Instagram. You'll get to hear all about AOP resources that are clearly created specifically for homeschool families. And trust me when I say it shows. Our family absolutely loved the flexibility and portability of all their brands, and we continue to go back to them year after year. Be sure to take advantage of their Back to Homeschool sale happening this month, where you can save 20% on all their Life Packs, Horizons materials, Monarch subscriptions, and more. Take it from me, AOP resources will be a great addition to your homeschool, no matter which level your kiddos are. Call 1-800-622-3070 or shop online today at AOP.com and save 20% during their back-to-homeschool sale. Be sure and tell them that Teach Them Diligently sent you.